Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Adam here. Wanted to let you know that uh, we're here in Lebanon, Missouri, getting prepared for Passover 2023. And uh, the week was just so busy, I was not able to get the Torah portion ready for this week. So I'm going to replay from last year. I believe all the information is still relevant. But I wanted to let you know, just in case, if some of the comments you're like, wait a minute, that's not really, that's like from last year. It is from last year. So I pray it's a blessing for you anyways. And the good news, I believe the next few weeks, uh, we're going to still be here in Lebanon. We're going to try to live stream our Shabbat service. So um, blessings to you and glad to study the word together with you. All right, Shalom. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. This is week 24 and we're in the book of Leviticus. This Torah portion is Vayikra, and we're going to be reading chapter 1, verse 1, through 6, verse 7. Vayikra means, and he called. And we know those of us that are following him, following his way, reading the scriptures, getting back to the ancient path, well, we've been called. And in the end times, there are those who are called and faithful and chosen. And he says himself, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, over the last few years, I don't think I realized how important this book was. You know, I think like most people, you just you read through like, oh, these are just the sacrifices. So, okay, we'll just, we'll read through it. And these are all done away with, and, you know, Messiah's our sacrifice. And, but you know, I really started understanding it last year, but he's, what I've noticed is every year he gives us more and more understanding. It's like every year you come back around to the Torah portion or read back through a book. It's like, he gives you a little more and a little more and reading through Leviticus this year and starting this, this Torah portion, it really gets intimate with our Messiah. You know, when people say, ah, oh, you're focusing on the law, you need to focus on Messiah. <sighs> if they only knew. And I hope to, sh to be able to properly convey how important understanding these sacrifices are and were and how they all pointed to our Messiah. I don't take the statement lightly. I think this is probably going to be the most important Torah portion I have ever done. I don't know if it'll be the most important ever, but up to this day, I think this is the most important one I am ever doing. And just realizing the depth of how he foreshadowed himself when we know a lot of us know like he foreshadowed himself and passover and and all the feast days and not taking anything away from that, that's amazing but it gets even more intimate with these sacrifices and i just i am bursting <laughs> i am bursting at the seams to share this with you guys so let's pray 
Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we come before you and just bless you in Messiah Husha's name. And we're just so thankful for what he did for us and his offering and all the offerings that foreshadow what he'd do for us and cleansing us, renewing us, showing us how to walk in your ways, Abba. And we just thank you so much. And we just ask that eyes and ears would be opened and hearts would be softened as we get ready to dig into your word. In Messiah Husha's name, Amen and Hallelujah. Sorry, this is just a really exciting Torah portion, so forgive me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, before we forget, I think tonight's uh, Torah portion is so important that I'm going to blow the live show far, not just the pre-recorded one. So here we go. <laughs> Numbers 10.10 says we're supposed to blow the shofar at every Sabbath, new moon, and feast day. So here we go. All right, so we're going to be reading uh, the book of Leviticus, obviously. Uh, we're reading out of the Sefer version, and we're going to do a couple cross-references with the Aramaic. So let's get into it. Before we do, before we read, sorry, I said let's get into it, and then like before we get into it, um, there's a couple cool things. Um, where are we? Oh, here we go. So... Some people have heard of like Bible codes out there. Um, I don't really get into them. It's just not my thing. Um, there's definitely, there may be, I say definitely, there's probably something to it. It's just, uh, we all have our areas of research and it's just not my thing. However, there's something really interesting. Uh, some of you may have heard this, um, but if you take the Hebrew in the Torah, if you, if you look at the Hebrew, it doesn't work in the English, but if you go into the Hebrew, I'll just read this. In the Hebrew text of the book Genesis, if you take the first T, then count 49 letters to the next letter, the 50th is O, then the next 50th is R, then the next 50th is H, and so on and so forth. So it spells Torah, right? Which is kind of interesting. Is that random? Sure, right? In the book of Exodus, we encounter the exact same thing. Coincidence? I think not. However, it doesn't work in Leviticus, but we'll get there. What's interesting is when you get to numbers, it does the same thing but backwards. And then the same thing happens in Deuteronomy backwards. So you have you have forward spelling Torah, Genesis, Exodus, nothing Leviticus. We'll not say nothing. We'll go there. Again. And then numbers, Torah backwards, and then Deuteronomy, Torah backwards. And so what it's doing is pointing to the middle book of Leviticus. And wouldn't you know that in Leviticus... Uh, it spells out his name. So you do a certain uh, a spacing, an interval of seven, and it spells his name, yod Hey vav Hey. And so, he's amazing. <laughs> like, the like hidden things like this is just amazing. And so the point being is, while many of us may have skipped over the book of Leviticus or just didn't really dive that deep into it, you want to get to the heart of Yah? You want to draw near? Because that's what the book of Leviticus is all about. It's not a book just for the rituals of the Levites that's done away with, and we got a new priesthood, Melchizedek, so it's like, who cares? If you want to draw near to Yahuwah, well, this book tells you how to do it. If you want to walk holy, because, you know, Peter says, uh, and he quotes, of course, the Torah, uh, be holy for I am holy, right? So if we want to learn more about that, this is it, you know, We've talked about it before. A lot of people are always looking for the next big thing. Um, 
the next big topic on, you know, is it Russia, is it Ukraine? Um, in my opinion, this is the next big thing, is just really digging into the book of Leviticus and really learning holiness. We say we want to walk in Torah. Uh, I'm challenging me and challenging all of us out there is to really take this book seriously. And so I am thrilled to go over this with you. And I'm, gonna, I'm done talking, I think. Did I have any other notes that I wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, this book teaches the clean and the unclean, the profane and holiness. Um, I got a couple of scriptures here to start off with. Ezekiel 22:26. Her priests have violated my Torah and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profane among them. So we know that we're supposed to be kings and priests a nation of priests, a royal priesthood, as Peter says. So shouldn't we learn about some of these things? Exodus 19, 5-6, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy, a set-apart nation. Of course, here it is, 1 Peter 2, 5, repeating this, you also as living, living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yahusha HaMashiach. First, uh, first Peter 1.16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Praise Yah. So if we want to be set apart, if we want to be Kodesh, this book tells us exactly how to do it. So... Um, in this, in this portion, we're going to learn about five offerings. These are the five offerings. The, the Ola, which is the whole burnt offering. The Mincha, which is the grain offering. Uh, the she Shelamim, which is the peace offering or Thanksgiving offering. The Chatat, which is the sin offering. And the Asham, which is the guilt offering. And we're going to see how Messiah Husha fulfilled all of these in his ministry. Praise Yah. Say it with me. Praise Yah. Let's do it. Enough talking about it. Let's just do it. All right. Here we go. Leviticus 1.1. 1, 1. And Yahweh called unto Moshe and spoke unto him out of the tabernacle of the assembly, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashorel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto Yahweh, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. And what you'll notice is all the offerings, this is probably an obvious, but just sometimes it, it's interesting to reflect, all the offerings that Yahweh required were of clean animals, right? And so they were uh, bulls, goats, rams, lambs, doves, or turtle doves, pigeons, so on and so forth. All clean animals. Let's talk about that. Isaiah 1, 10 through 18. Hear the word of Yahweh, you rulers of Sodom, which is talking to Jerusalem. Give ear unto the Torah of our Elohim, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says Yahweh? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Why? It's not because he hated these things that he commanded them to do. It's because of their uncleanness. They, they brought these offerings with an unclean heart. They weren't drawing near to him with cleanliness on their hands. They were defiled with blood. 
Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Now here it is, right? Problem about clean animals. What about us? We, and we're going to learn a lot about this, is that while Messiah fulfilled the offerings, right? We're to walk as he walked. And so we're, as Paul says, and we're going to obviously read this a little bit later, he says in Romans 12, 1, that we are to be living sacrifices ourselves. So we, as a living sacrifice, have to be clean as well. So wash you, make you clean. And as uh, Alan Horvath said, no better way to wash yourself than being washed by and growing in the word. Washed by the word. Well, how to be washed by it? Just not reading it and not doing it, but reading it and doing it, studying it and doing it. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, says Yahuwah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. A lot of people don't read that last part of the verse. So they're bringing these offerings, you know, because it was commanded in the Torah, but their hearts were wicked. They didn't care about the widows and the orphans, right? They, they've prayed on them. They fed on them, right? It says that he, they devoured a widow's house and for a pretense uh, made a long prayer beforehand, right? So they weren't, they didn't come to him with a clean heart. And this goes for us today. If we want to get into the kingdom, Psalm 24, 3 through 6, Who shall ascend the hill into the hill of Yahuwah? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Right? And this is what we were talking about. A clean animal. Where the sacrifices now? We have to be clean as well. Clean hands, pure heart. We can't draw near to him with an unclean heart or a double mind or a double heart. We can't do it. He won't accept it. He'll be away. He'll just say, I, I hate your oblations. I hate your sacrifice. I hate when you get together Shabbat because your heart's still evil. And that's why I've been trying to put so much focus in the Torah community because there's a lot of people doing the check marks of the Torah, but they hate each other. Why? Because, you know, they pronounce the name differently or have a different calendar or whatever. It's detestable. It's worse. He hates it. Pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from Yahuwah and righteousness from the God of his Elohim of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Yaakov. Selah. Talking about clean hands, Psalm 18, 19-24. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Yahuwah rewarded me according to my righteousness. When people would say, you know, oh, we can't be righteous by walking in the Torah. It's not true. Surely we're saved by faith in Messiah. We're supposed to walk as he walked, in righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, has he recompensed me. So clean hands, right? A clean vessel is, is related to walking in righteousness. For, he confirms it here, for, so because I have kept the ways of Yahuwah and have not wickedly departed from my Elohim. For, keeps going, all his judgments were before me and I did not put, uh, put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore has Yahuwah recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands and his eyesight. Some people say, ah, oh, nobody can keep the Torah. It's right here, <laughs> first chapter of Luke. 
Luke 1, <clears throat> 5 through 6, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia and his wife of the, of the daughters of Aharon, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before Elohim. Oh, here he is. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of Yahuwah, blameless. It is possible. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, For this commandment which I command you this day is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. It is not heaven that you should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear and do it? He's like, uh-uh, but the word is very nice to you. It's very close to you. It's in your mouth and your heart that you may do it. This is the clean hands, the clean heart, the clean uh, ruach within us to approach, to draw near. <clears throat> and he says, so part of being a clean animal, right? So the, the sacrifices were had to be clean animals. Well, we have to be clean in his sight, right? If we're just uh, a, a bunch of angry, you know, ridiculous people, um, and we try to draw near to him, he's not going to accept it. We can't. He, he won't. He won't do it. We have to take this seriously. We've got to walk in holiness. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one shall see Yahuwah. Maybe even no one will draw near to Yahuwah. How about that? Something to think about. Book of Proverbs says, uh, the even the prayer of um, those who forsake his law, the pra his prayer will be, uh, oh, what's that? What is it? It's not good. <laughs> the, the person that forsakes his law, his prayer will be an abomination unto him is what it says. Whew. Rough times. So clean, right? Should be a clean animal. We are to be clean before him. Uh, Leviticus 1.3 if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd so chapter 1 is talking about the Ola the whole burnt offering the Ola is for a total consecration of the offerer's life to Yahweh it's a total dedication to his ways it's offering up every corner of your life to him like the whole sacrifice was consumed just like Messiah Yahusha right the Passover lamb right had to be completely burnt Whatever was left, it had to be completely burnt. You couldn't leave any into the morning. Just as when he was laid in the sepulcher, all gone. Well, we, as living sacrifices, have to give everything we have to him. You can't leave that little corner in your heart and be like, well, this is just for me. I don't have to give this up. We'll talk about that. So this is the Ola. If his burnt offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yahuwah. And so when somebody offers themselves up to him, full dedication, that's voluntary. Just like he's given the whole world to either serve him or not serve him. He's given us free will and given us choice. Even He even gave the angels free will and choice. So the Ola, the whole burnt offering, is voluntary. But as we learn in uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 11, Right? Even when you do his will, right? It's sweeter than honey and in keeping of, of his commandments, there is much reward. So there's much reward with voluntarily giving yourself. We saw we saw earlier last week, um, people voluntarily gave gold and silver and jewels and, and and skins, very valuable things for the building of the tabernacle. We are building up the Yahusha is building up the tabernacle by living stones now. Perhaps it's those that voluntarily give these things up, voluntarily give up their lives, right? He who loses his life shall, shall find it. 
Leviticus 1.4. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So when you brought an offering, you slaughtered it. A lot of people don't catch that. And I got to tell you, I'll be honest with you. The first time I've ever slaughtered an animal was last Pesach. We had our own lambs, and I did the very last one. And, you know, it, it changes you. Um, some of you farmers out there are like, I do it every day, Adam. Um, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, um, it's like serious. When, when the blood is rushing out and you see the life of the animal leave, like it should change you, right? And so even though the Ola is not a sin offering, right? But even for the sin offerings, right? So if you had sinned and you brought an animal before him and you had to slit the throat and like um, all that blood came out, it, it should, have, should have done something to them. Like, gosh, this animal had to take my place. I don't want to do this anymore. But it didn't. But let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about that. Even though this is uh, this is talking about uh, the Ola, which is a free will offering, um, I want to I want to read something pretty pretty profound. Um, it'll relate more to the uh, later offerings that we'll talk about. But I want to read it anyways. It's from the book of Yashar, chapter twenty three. We're just gonna read a few verses here. This is the binding of Isaac. This is when Yahuwah, uh Let's see. This is not all capturing here. Let me see if I can. All right, that's better. Let's see. I want to make sure it captures everything. Oh, it's not working. Okay. Hang on. I just want you to be able to see everything. There it is. So this is the binding of Isaac. This is when Yahweh was like, take your son, your your beloved son, and offer him up as a burnt offering. Um, well, I guess this would, it was a whole burnt offering. He would have been a whole burnt offering. So I guess it would kind of um, relate to the Ola, the whole burnt offering. Any case. We see how we're going to see how the animal was a was a symbol or a replacement of the individual. We're going to read Jashar 23:69 through 75. So this is right when he was getting ready to do it, and he's like, "Wait, stop!" At that time, Yahuwah appeared unto Abraham and called to him from heaven and said unto him, "Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do you anything unto him. For now I know that you fear Elohim in performing this act, and not withholding thy son, thine only son, from me." And Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, a ram was caught in the thicket by his thorns, his horns. And that was the ram which Yahweh Elohim had created in the earth in that day that he made the earth and heaven. For Yahweh had prepared this ram from that day to be a burnt offering instead of Isaac. And this ram was advancing to Abraham when Satan caught hold of him and entangled his thorns, his horns in the thicket, that he might not advance to Abraham in order that Abraham might slay his son. And Abraham, seeing the ram advancing to him, and Hasatan withholding him, fetched him and brought him before the altar. And he loosened his son Yitzchak from his binding, and he put the ram in his stead. And Abraham killed the ram upon the altar and brought it up as an offering in the place of his son Yitzchak. Right? So in the place. And Abraham sprinkled some of the blood of the ram upon the altar, and he exclaimed and said, This is in the place of my son, and may this be considered this day as the blood of my son before Yahuwah. And all that Abraham did on this occasion by the altar, he would exclaim and say, This is in the room of my son, and may it this day be considered before Yahweh in the place of my son. And Abraham finished the whole of the service by the altar, and the service was accepted before Yahweh and was accounted as if it had been Yitzchak. And Yahweh blessed Abraham and his seed on that day. 
So <clears throat> one thing to touch on here, of course, is we know that this was a foreshadow of Yahuwah giving up his only begotten son. Right? So people take take jabs at, oh, he never commanded human sacrifice. Actually, he did. And it was here. He commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son. Human sacrifice. A whole born offering. And Abraham said, I trust you. Okay. Whew, how tough that would have been. But he did. And so he knew he was going to do it. He said, mm -mm, don't do it. I will provide for you. And we know that that was a foreshadow of our Messiah. But think about this whole burnt offering. Are we willing to give it all up for him? Are we willing? We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And that's really the heart of a whole burnt offering is offering up all that you've got for him. Not a partial. This isn't a part-time faith. This is not, you know, well, I'll do this and well, I'll do that. But eh, this part, I don't know. doesn't fit my lifestyle. It's not. This is not the walk. It's not for you. We've got to give everything we have. It is time, brothers and sisters. If you haven't noticed what's going on in the world, I'm, I have no idea how long much time we have. But I'm telling you, you know, being awake and looking around what's going on, we may not have very much time. It is our job. We should want to, but we got to do everything we can in our walk to walk in a straight way. Now is the time. Leviticus 1.5, And he shall kill the bullock before Yahuwah and the priests, Achron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood around about the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. Sound familiar? And if you didn't know, Abraham did this on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah ended up being where um, David bought the threshing floor and ended up being where the temple mount was. And a lot of people believe that's also where Messiah was crucified. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aharon, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aharon's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. If his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or the goats, for burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before Yahuwah. And the priests, Achron's sons, shall sprinkle his blood round about the altar. Uh, and we, I forgot to mention, uh, it had to be without blemish, just like the, just like the the Passover lamb. And most of us already know this, but just in case. <clears throat> Let's read a couple things. First Peter 8, 1 Peter 1:18-20. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Mashiach as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, sounds a lot like what we just read in Yashar, but was made manifest in these last times for you. Hebrews 4, 15-16, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, without blemish. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help, to help in time of need. Verse John 2, 6, He that says he abides in him ought also himself so to walk, even as he walked. Messiah Yahushua was a blameless, whole burnt offering. And we need to do that, even though we've all messed up. That's not an excuse to keep messing up. We've got to straighten our path, brother and sister. Now's the time. Jude. 
and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So the sacrifice, the whole burnt offering should be spotless, blameless. And we, as whole burnt offerings, we should want to be have a we should want to be voluntarily offering up our whole selves for him, our total dedication to his ways. Nothing gets in the way of serving him. That's the kind of people he's looking for. That's the kind of people he's going to be bringing into his, his uh, new Jerusalem. And that's where I want to go. And I'm pretty sure if you're watching this, that's where you want to go to. James 1, 22-27 But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word, which many do, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, he looks at himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect Torah of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And there's a lot of people in this movement that cannot bridle their tongue pure religion and undefiled before elohim and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction to keep and to keep himself unspotted from the world right without blemish without spot first timothy 6 6 through 14 but godliness with contentment is great gain right so walking in his ways and being satisfied with the life that you're living right is great gain being happy with what you have and that's what being you know that's the opposite of being a covetous person a covetous person is always like once with this person had one contentment walking in righteousness and being content with what abba has granted you is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment let us be there with content but they that will be rich will fall into temptation and into a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of Elohim, or woman, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and people. We got to look at this too right here. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you charge in the sight of Elohim, who quickens all things, and before Messiah Yahusha, before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot. Yep, Paul said it too. Unrebukable until the appearing of our master, Yahushua HaMashiach. 2 Peter 3.14 Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in his, of him in peace without spot and blameless. Without blemish, without spot, blameless. Just as our Messiah walked, we've got to walk and follow him. I know we're all at different places and we all have different areas of strengths and weaknesses. But this is what it's all about. This is all what it's all about, about being ready for his return. Praise Yah. So again, the Ola is a whole burnt offering. We have to fully give ourselves to him. A couple more verses I want to share. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto the Elohim, which is your reasonable service. Now, presenting your bodies, you know, I can be taken very literally, and so, okay, I'll just place myself on an altar and somebody burn me up. That's not what it's talking about, right? But everything we do, what we think about, what we do, and it has a lot to do with Deuteronomy 6, that when we meditate on the law and we, we think about it when we get up, when we lay down, when we walk by the way, that when we do those things, it shall be for a sign on our forehead and on our hands. So we need to take captive of every thought, every word, every action, every deed. And that's being a whole living sacrifice and not putting anything before his service. Anything. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto Elohim, which is your reasonable service. Isn't that reasonable? Didn't he save wretches like me and you and many others from the detestable lives that we lived? Some more than others. But we all deserve death. And he sent his son that we may have forgiveness. How dare us continue to walk in filthiness? It is time to gird up our loins, brothers and sisters, and do what's right in his sight. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of Elohim. Romans 6, 11-18, Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Elohim through Yahushua HaMashiach, our Master. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto Elohim as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto Elohim. You've got problems. You've got sins that are weighing you down, brothers and sisters. Fast. Fast and pray. There's some sins that can only be broken by fasting and praying. And if you're just like, I just can't cut this one thing out of my life, fast. Fast three days. Fast seven days. Fast ten days. Whatever it takes. It's time. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the Torah, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the Torah, but under grace? Elohim forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey? Whether sin unto death, so we can be freed, but if we continue to walk in sin, that becomes our master. Or of obedience unto righteousness, but Elohim be thanked that you were the servants of sin you were, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And this book tells us how to do that. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh which is in you, which ye have of Elohim, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price. And think about that. Especially as we go through these sacrifices and see what our Messiah did for us and paved the way for us and freed us think about that i want to think about that do you want to think about that for you are bought with a price therefore glorify elohim in your body and your spirit which are elohim's like he said earlier it's a reasonable service jeremiah 31 33 through 33 behold the days come says yahweh that i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah not according to the covenant that i made with our fathers in the day that i took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of egypt which my covenant they break although i was a husband unto them says yahweh but this shall be the covenant that i will make with the house of israel after those days says yahweh i will put my torah in their inward parts 
and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. Think about it. All these services that we've been reading about at the end of the book of Exodus and now all through Leviticus, this is all about temple service, sacrifices, offerings. Well, if we're the temple, I think really the greater significance is we are built together as one big temple, but individually now until we're gathered, it's, we're like little mini temples and his Ruach dwells in us. We should be really taking to heart what's said in Torah portions like the last couple of weeks and this week and all throughout this book and really think about that and really take hold of it and take it seriously. But the point being is that he put his Torah on our heart to actually do it. Not just say that we're Torah observant and we're Azit seat and keep the Sabbath, but there's so much more to that. And the root of that is love for him and love for another. And I really see a lack of love for another in this community and is my mission to help change that. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, then will I splink, sprinkle, sprinkle clean water upon you. We were talking about being a clean vessel earlier and being washed. He said in Isaiah, wash yourself, make you clean. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put it within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. That's a real reason he put his Torah on our heart. Not to walk away from it and do as we please, but to do, actually do it. Now, something I find really interesting is in Leviticus 1.9, let's read this. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. I may not see much there. Uh, where are we at? Uh, okay, so right here. So, the Hebrew, Ola, Ise, 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 a burnt sacrifice offering made by fire. Well, didn't you, don't you know, check this out. This is probably not coincidence either. Is, you know, as we know, see these little markings right here, like Nikuds? This was added much later to the, the Hebrew language. Uh, this was not in the original text, these little Nikuds. And these tell people how to pronounce different words differently. Well, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know that this word here is the same as ascending. And this word here, Isha, is the same word for wife. So this burnt sacrifice made by fire is the exact same spelling, minus these added vowel points, as ascending wife. Think about that. So the aroma, right? So when he burnt the sacrifice, anybody smelled a barbecue before? Maybe some of you meat haters out there are like, ew. But... When some meat is cooking on the grill, that smells good. That's how he made it. Anyways, so you put the whole burnt sacrifice on there, and the smoke is ascending up, all the way up, right? Well, the whole burnt offering, when it says a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, is the exact same spelling as an ascending wife. And we just read it earlier in Jeremiah. He's like, I was a husband unto you. For us guys, it seems a little weird to be a bride or a wife, but hey, whatever. I want to be married to him. I'll take the sub, the submissive role to him. I'll just put it out there. Whatever. I want to be I want to be in covenant with him. I want to be married to him. And so this whole burnt offering is likened to an ascending wife. I found that fascinating. Look it up for yourself. It's the exact same spelling. This this Ola, right, is the same Hebrew spelling for the word ascending, and it's the same word for isha, right? Ise. Isha is wife. Pretty cool.
everything we have. Psalm 19, 10 through 12. Psalm 119, 10 through 12. With my whole heart. So think about it. Think about, think about your heart being the, the chamber of your thoughts, your soul, your just everything, your being. And we can't have like 96% for him and then 4% for us. But I just want to tuck that away. With my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Yahuwah. Teach me your statutes. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, we know that he hates, um, um, what is it? What is it? Proverbs 6. He hates, th six things he hates. Uh, discord. When people sow discord. So he's not like, I'm, I'm coming here to sow discord among your houses so you're just a big wreck. No, division. Division about what? Well, this sword, his word. His sword, it divides. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loves father. And listen to this. Talking about being a whole burnt sacrifice. Remember what I was telling you? If anything can't get in the way of serving him. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. Here it is. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. So his ways... Unless we're dumping our own ways and replacing it with his, losing our fleshly lives. Unless we lose our fleshly lives, right? We won't find life. But if we dump our fleshly lives and submit, it takes humility, meekness, and submission to submit to his Torah. And if we do that, he promises us life. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read this at the end. I was going to read it now, but we're going to read that at the end. Let me just tuck you away here. Over here. Okay. Ooh, we got a long way to go. How long have you been going for here? Ooh, 41 minutes on chapter. We're not even done chapter one. Oops. All right, so let's read the rest of chapter 1. Uh, we're at verse 12. And he shall cut into his pieces with his head and with his fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water, and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. Sweet savor, right? It smells good on the barbecue. And if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to Yahuwah be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it unto the altar and wring off his head. Okay. And burn it on the altar, and the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. And he shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice. It is an olah, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. So that, brothers and sisters, was the olah, the whole burnt offering. I pray that I was able to convey uh, its importance and to our walk. I just want to read one verse in the Targums, the Aramaic. Uh, I just want to read down here. Uh, so it's talking about the, 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 the sacrifices. Then did the word of Yahuwah, which we know is our Messiah, call unto Moshe, and the word of Yahuwah spake with him from the tabernacle of ordinance, saying. So pretty cool when we get to see our Messiah uh, that was taken out of the older texts. So I like to point that out when we can.
So now, chapter two, we're going to be talking about the mincha. Say it with me. Mincha. Mincha. A grain offering, voluntary offering to draw near to Yahweh. So the whole burnt sacrifice was voluntary. And think about voluntary. Think about that for a second. It's like those of you that have kids or those of you that babysit or have, you know, um, nephews, nieces, whatever. <sighs> think about when you ask them to do something and they do it, which is nice. Awesome. How about when they do something on their own? Like, how about when they just, like, draw you a picture and they give it to you? <laughs> it could be the craziest thing. It just, it warms your heart. Like, what do you think our father feels like when we willingly, voluntarily offer ourselves up to him, our whole lives to him? Come on. So the mincha is a voluntary offering in order to draw near to Yahuwah. All the other ones we're talking about today are going to be animal sacrifices. This one was grain, oil, and frankincense. Not cheap stuff. Very expensive in those days. Right? Daily bread. That's how people lived. Oil. Remember how expensive the oil was? Remember the story of Elisha and the woman who had this debt she couldn't pay? How did she pay him? Oil. He's like, get as many vessels as you can and they'll all be filled. He's like, take some of them, sell them, pay off your debt, and live off the rest. <laughs> Oil was expensive. Frankincense, get out of here. That was super expensive. It's also about relieving yourself of the cares of this world and the goods thereof. Ooh, that was KJV talk. And the goods. All right, so Leviticus 2.1. And when, when any will offer meat offering unto Yahweh, his offering should be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. It's not cheap. That's a lot of stuff. And he shall bring it to Aharon's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, and all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahweh. I forgot to mention the whole burnt offering the priests do not eat of. This one they do. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aharon's and his sons. This is a thing most holy of the offerings made by fire. So this voluntary offering, part of it went to Yahuwah's ascending smoke offering, and part of it went to basically feed the priests. That's how they ate. And some of the other sacrifices, which we'll mention here shortly. And if you bring an oblation of a meat offering bacon in the oven, it shall be matzah cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or matzah wafers anointed with oil. And if your oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mingled with oil. So unleavened bread. You know, talking about the the, the Passover story, um, we know Messiah is, our, is the unleavened bread. He, he was the bread from heaven that he declared to be. Uh, and we also know that his doctrine was without leaven, which was the teachings of the Pharisees, the false man-made teaching. John six thirty five through 51 and Yahushua said unto them, I am the bread of life. Which we're going to see, he was also the mincha offering. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye have, have seen me and believe not. That the Father gives me, and that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, 
that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Yahusha, the son of Yosef, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he has said, I came down from heaven? Yahushua therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of Elohim. Every man therefore that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of Elohim, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Matthew 16, 6. Then he who said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I spake not of it concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven, the doctrine, and of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Right? So we know he is the unleavened bread. That's a, that's pretty well known. But we'll get a little deeper uh, into why he is the mincha. You shall part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering, which meat is, when in our modern day, when we think of meat, we're like flesh. This is not flesh. This is grain. And if your oblation is, if you look at the Hebrew word here for meat, it's mincha, which is grain. And if your oblation be a meat offering broken in the frying pan, bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And he shall bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto Yahuwah. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it unto the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. Anybody ever smelled uh, bread and oil and frankincense? These are some of the best smells, in my opinion. To me, some of the best smells in the world is bread and frankincense and that which is left of the meat offering shall be Ahron's and his sons it is a thing most holy of the offerings of Yahuwah made by fire no meat offering which ye shall bring unto Yahuwah shall be made with leaven for ye shall burn no leaven nor honey in any offering of Yahuwah made by fire as for the oblation of the first fruits ye shall offer them unto Yahuwah but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor um, I want to make a little mention here, real quick. Uh, let's take a look here. This has, you know, we we know the 144,000 first fruits. Oops. Hang on one second here. Revelation 14, 1 through 5. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. And this virginity people take very literally. I believe this is a uh, spiritual virginity. This is people that are not, were not defiled with the harlot, with the, the whore of Babylon, if you will. These are they which follow them whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto Elohim and of the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne. So, just a little something related to the first fruit offering. To Ezra 1674 through 78. 
Hear my elect, says Elohim. Behold, the days of tribulation are at hand, and I will deliver you from them. Do not fear or doubt, for Elohim is your guide. You who keep my commandments and precepts, says Yahuwah. Do not let your sins pull you down. This is what I was saying earlier. It's time. It's time to shake it all off. Or your iniquities prevail over you. Woe to those who are choked by their sins and overwhelmed by their iniquities, as a field is choked with underbrush in its path, overwhelmed with thorns, so that no one can pass through. It is shut shut off and given up to be consumed by fire. But however, those that do follow the Lamb, whether whosoever he goes, it says that they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. They will not be burnt up. These people, I believe, do not die. Many different interpretations out there. I'm just given the understanding I have. To Ezra 6, 23 through 26. And the trumpet shall sound aloud. We know what time that is. And when all hear it, they shall suddenly be terrified. At that time, friends shall make war on friends like enemies in the earth. And those who inhabit the habit shall be terrified. And the springs of the fountain shall stand still, so that for three hours they shall not flow. This one still has always puzzled me. And it shall be that whoever remains after all that I have foretold to you shall himself be saved and shall see my salvation and the end of my, end of my world. So these people, right? And they, these people right here, that come to the end of the times, shall see the men who were taken up, who from their birth have not tasted death. And I believe these 144,000 do not die, do not taste of death, and are not burnt, as you will. Leviticus 2.13, Every oblation of your meat offering shall you season with salt. Neither shall you suffer the salt of the covenant of your Elohim to be lacking from your meat offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. This is a really interesting one. Most of us know this command from Messiah, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Right? And then he goes on to say, you're the light of the world. Then he goes on to talk about the Torah. So what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? I think the obvious for most people is, well, you know, how about food? Food without salt is flavorless. It's bland. Well, he's given us salt in abundance to season our food. And sure, I think in the world, we need to have flavor with people. And that's another thing about attitudes. I see terrible attitudes with people with each other. That's not having salt with one another. Surely we, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't rebuke a brother when they're in, in error or in danger or of, of sinning or whatever, but it can be done with salt. It can be like, hey, hey, you know what? Can I talk to you for a second? You know, I, I see this going on in your life. I, I see this in the scriptures. I care about you. I just wanted to share, you know, what I see and, and I think it may be dangerous and blah, 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 blah. Or like, or there's, or there's that, or there's like, hey man, you're sitting. You know, Yah's going to cut you off. I'm not talking to you. I, you know, I, I, I can't talk to anything profane. So I'm blocking you. I mean, that could be like a, a version of having salt. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Have salt among yourselves. The covenant of salt. As salt was regarded as a necessary ingredient for the daily food, and so of all sacrifices offered to Yahuwah, it became an easy step to the very close connection between salt and covenant making. When men ate together, they became friends. Compare the Arabic expression, there is salt between us, or he has eaten of my salt, which means partaking of hospitality, which cemented friendship. 
compare eat the salt of the palace ezra 414 covenants were generally confirmed by sacrificial meals and salt was always present since too salt is a preservative it would easily become symbolic of an enduring covenant so offerings to yahuwah were to be by a statute forever a covenant of salt forever before yahuwah david received his kingdom forever from yahuwah by a covenant of salt second chronicles 13 5 in the light of these concepts the remark our master becomes more significant have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another mark 9 50. remember that passage i keep quoting all the time hebrews 12 14 follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one shall see yahuwah what else does salt do not just as in flavor food and have flavor with each other salt preserves so like back in the day they didn't have refrigeration they could preserve meat with salt and make it last longer are we not called to be preservers of the earth and to help protect and in and, and you know keep people from danger pre preservation Saul also destroys judgment genesis nineteen twenty six. this is lot's wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt luke 17 30-32 even thus shall it be in the day when the son of man is revealed in that day when he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house let him not come down and take it away and he that is in the field let him likewise not return back remember lot's wife so it has some significance in the end days this is deuteronomy 29 this is the announcement of the curses for breaking the torah and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that is not sown, nor beareth, nor any grass grown therein. And like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which Yahweh overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. So, destruction. Are we not called to be ministers of his word and tell of the coming destruction of this world? And to repent and turn to him? Believe in Messiah and walk in the, the commandments as he walked? Are we not commanded to do that? That's being salt. That's being the salt of the earth. Also, fertilizing. Salt was used for fertilizing. It helped with um, dispersing the, the water in the soil, making it last longer, softening the soil, killing weeds. And it would take us an hour to go over all the parables of Messiah liking this world to a field and plants and all those kind of things. So we should be as salt to the earth, to the people of the earth, fertilizing it, planting seeds, helping it grow, helping people grow, building one, one another up in the most holy faith not constantly breaking down we should have salt we should be fertilizer to people's growth not round up which a lot of people act like the mean class symbolized detachment from worldly goods or care of such because remember this was an expensive this was a free will offering so people do it freely of themselves it wasn't commanded for people to bring this really expensive stuff the 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 flour and the oil and the, and the frankincense. Matthew nineteen twenty one through 29. Yahushua said unto him, If you will be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Yahushua said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, so a lot of people believe that we have to sell everything. Well, not all of us love money anymore. You know, he tested this man because that's what he didn't want to give up. So are we willing to give up our possessions? Here in verse 28, uh, 
29. And everyone that forsakes houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And that's what I was saying. You know, being that, that Ola offering, the ascending wife offering, he's not telling you to like just forsake your children just to do it, to show them that you love them. That's not saying. What he's saying here is if any of these things prevent you from keeping the commandments, like if you love your wife or your father or mother or son or daughter more than me, right? You're not worthy of me. We're not giving ourselves fully up for him. And he loved not his life unto the death. Genesis 28, 22, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be Elohim's house, and of all that you shall give me, I will surely give a tenth unto you. So a lot of people are like, tithing was just for you know the Levites. and Well, here's Jacob tithing before the temple, before you know, the, the Levitical priesthood. We learn in the book of Levi that Levi was ordained a priest and that Jacob gave tithes to Levi. Malachi 3, 7 through 10, Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances and I have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, says Yahweh of Sevaot. But she said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob Elohim? Yet you have robbed me. And people will be like, Well, will say, wherein, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Think about all the offerings we're talking about now. The whole burnt offering, giving ourselves fully to him. If we don't do that, we're robbing him. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that therewith may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says Yahweh Sabot, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. People, you know, modern day church you know, quotes this, you know, they'll say that Old Testament's done away with, but they'll quote this. And so that's why it's hypocritical because they say that the law is done away with, but eh, not this, you know, and so they have tithes and stuff. I mean, really, that was that was the original reason for the tithes was for so the the priests could have, you know, sustainment. Their whole job was you know, performing these sacrifices, studying the Torah, teaching the Torah, um, and that's how they survived. And this is not turning into, you know, uh, support your, your local ministry. There's many ways you can you can offer an offering for him. What about widows and orphans? And what about, uh, you know, the poor among us? What about the sick, the needy? Can we not give in other places? Does it have to be to a ministry? No, absolutely not. What about food banks? There's many ways that you can tie it to him. To give up worldly assets that you have freely, just like the, the mincha is a free will offering, giving up and giving it to, well, I'll just, let's just say good cause, whatever it is. And you take that up to him, whatever that may be. He may put someone in your life, may pray about it and say, you know, what? I want to give a free will offering. I want to give a mincha offering. Show me how I can do this. And you may put, just put someone in your path. Mark 4.19, And the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and the lust thereof, other things entering in, choke the word and become unfruitful. The parable of the sower. Are we going to let worldly gain choke us up? Matthew 6, 19-20 Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where the moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. That's the true riches. Okay. Um we'll keep we'll finish chapter two and then we'll we'll talk we'll we'll solidify how he uh, fulfilled the meat offering and if you offer a meat offering for your first fruits unto yahuwah you shall offer for the meat offering of your first fruits green ears of grain dried up by the fire even grain beaten out of full ears and you shall put oil upon it and lay frankincense thereon it is a mincha offering and the priest shall burn the memorial of it 
part of the beaten grain thereof and part of the oil thereof with all the frankincense thereof. It is an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. So how did Messiah fulfill the Mincha? Let's talk about it. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened to burnt offering and sin offering not did you acquire. So uh, here is the... Right here. So he's in this psalm, in this psalm, this is a prophecy of Messiah. He fulfilled two of those offerings in one verse. This is talking specifically about Messiah. Uh, Mincha and the Ola. He fulfilled them both. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. But be therefore followers of Elohim as dear children and walk in love as Messiah also has loved us and has given himself us an offering and a sacrifice to Elohim for a sweet smelling savor if you back up if you back this word up i can't remember if it's offering or sacrifice but if you back this if you look at the greek and back it into the greek septuagint it's the mincha it's the mincha offering all right what else do we have here all right oh targums 212 when you offer an oblation of first fruits before Yahuwah, the bread of the first fruits, you may bring leavened, because it's not burnt, and the dates in the season of first fruits, and the fruit with its honey you may bring, and the priest may eat them, but they shall not burn them at the altar as an oblation received with favor. So, let's keep going. Chapter 3. So this is the peace offering. The peace offering is the shalamim. It's a peace or thanksgiving offering. It's a way to thank and draw near to him, also voluntary, not required. So it's not required to come before him and thank him. And we'll see the tone of this. You know, we can, we know that, and we're going to talk about this more, but our sacrifices today are spiritual sacrifices. We don't do these anymore. Later, we'll see that in the future, when his tabernacle is here amongst us, they will resume at least the free will, the peace offerings, um, the Thanksgiving offering. Those will, those will resume. But there's a way we can do it now. Have you thanked him for your life? For being born at a time such as this? We could have been born any time in history. Look, look outside the window. Go walk outside you know, and, and look at his creation and what he made for us. Just simple things that most people probably just don't do. Because they think this, is, this world was made by a big bang and evolution. So I'm sure he appreciates it. I can't speak for him though. So it's a way to thank him. The peace offering, Thanksgiving offering, is a way to thank him and draw near to him. And James says it, James 4, 7 through 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to Elohim. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh. Draw close to Elohim, and he will draw nigh to you. But before we do that, we have to cleanse our hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what we were talking earlier about being clean. Leviticus 3, 1. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, he'll offer it of the herd, whether it be male or female. He shall offer it without blemish before Yahuwah. He shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And Aharon's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah, the fat that covers the inwards. The fat that is upon the inwards. I'm sorry. And all the fat that is upon the inwards. I guess this is doubled. 
and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the column of the liver with the kidneys, ye shall take away. And we spoke about this uh, a couple of Torah portions ago. Uh, why the liver? The liver is the seat of anger. And we have to give all that to him. Why the kidneys? The kidneys are known as the reins of the heart. It's like part of your inner being, right? And, and David says, try my reins. Seek me out. Try me. Like, inspect me. It's like your whole being, who you are. The fat, well, it's the excess. What's a good way to give up the fat today? I learned this from Nathan Reynolds. Fasting. It's like burning the fat. Thanks, Nathan. And Aharon's son shall burn it upon the altar and the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto Yahuwah be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. You got to bring in the best. He doesn't want, he doesn't want second rate stuff. He wants the best from you. All of it. If you offer a lamb of his offering, then shall he offer it before Yahuwah. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the assembly. And Aharon's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar, and he shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. The fat thereof, the whole rump, he shall take off hard by the backbone, and the fat that covers the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the column of the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And if his offering be of a goat, then he shall offer it before Yahuwah. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the assembly. And the sons of Aharon shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. And he shall offer thereof his offering, even offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. The fat that covers the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards. And the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks. And the collar of the liver with the kidneys he shall take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. All the fat is Yahuwah's. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you eat neither fat nor blood. There's a lot of discussion about fat and blood because people will look at like ground beef and it's like, well, there's fat in there and it looks, there's some red stuff dripping. So that looks like blood. Uh, there's a difference. Look up, look up myoglobin versus hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is blood. Myoglobin is the red substance that uh, is set in the in the the, the flesh. Um, and when I when I believe we're not supposed to eat the fat, I believe it's the fat that covers uh, visceral fat. Look up visceral fat and compare that with uh, fat that's really just mixed in with meat, right? So it's not saying you can't have a steak and you have to cut every little piece off. Personally, I don't like fat on meat. So when I have a steak, which <laughs> I can't, I think I've had maybe one or two steaks in the last five years. But when I used to eat more steak more often, I would cut all the gristle off because that's just not, I'm not a big fan. But some people love it, right? So do your own research on that. Um, but let's, uh, so we kind of zoomed through the peace and the, the Thanksgiving offering. I don't think that we can overlook this one at all. I think we should be giving him the praise. It's all throughout the Psalms. It's like sing a new song on him, praise him, thank him. I think we should be doing this every single day. I think this is an offering that we can give him every single day. Every single day. And we'll read about this. You know, did, did he really, at the end of the day, want a, an animal to show our thanks and peace? Probably not. And we'll we'll talk about some of those verses that people use that, you know, the sacrifices were all made up, that he never commanded them, and the the, the Pharisees, or I'm sorry, the, the scribes of old just added them all in. 
Uh, we'll talk about that. First, let's talk about him being our peace offering. Messiah is our peace offering. He gives us peace between us and the Most High. Ephesians 2, 13-15. But now, in Messiah Husha, you who sometimes were afar off, you're cut off from Israel, are made nigh by the blood of Messiah. And we talked about it earlier, being the commonwealth of Israel. For he is our peace. He's our shalom, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the Torah of commandments. And this is actually, the Greek word is dogma. Uh, this is man-made teachings, man-made doctrines, man-made laws of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself and twain one new man, so making peace. So he is our peace offering. And if he's the one that makes peace, maybe we should walk around making peace too. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with Elohim through our master, Yahushua HaMashiach. Hebrews 12.14, can't, I can't skip this one. Follow peace with all men. So this is how we're supposed to walk as he walked. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see Yahuwah. Scary words. Hebrews 13, 14 through 16. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. New Jerusalem that's going to descend down. By him, therefore, by him, Messiah, let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise to Elohim continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The thanks, the peace or thanks offering. Thank offering. But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, Elohim is well pleased. O Israel, Hosea 14, 1-2. O Israel, return unto Yahweh Elohim, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words and turn to Yahweh, saying to him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. This is the sacrifices of our lips. But it's not just lips. Because remember, this: the Pharisees gave him praise with his lips and not with his heart. So it's both. Okay. Chapter 4. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak. Oh, I'm sorry, first. This is the sin offering. This is the. There's two different sin offerings. There's one that's like grievous, and then there's one that's like accidental or, or uh, not as grievous. And I think that's what, what James, or is it John, is saying that there's a sin unto death, and then there's a sin that's not unto death. So kind of shown that there's two different like levels of sin and there's two different levels of sin offerings this is the more grievous one uh this is required if you sin this is required all right so it's like going back to children it's like it's one thing if they just do the chores and that's another thing if you ask them to do the chores you know it's and you know the sin offering is like they mess up and you gotta ground them or something you know all right, Leviticus 4.1. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, and this is called the Chatat. Speak unto the children of Yahshua, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of Yahweh concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed, hello, Messiah, the anointed one, to do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin which he has sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto Yahweh for a sin offering. This is the Chatat. And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yahuwah, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before Yahuwah. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood, and bring it to the tabernacle of the assembly. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle the blood seven times before Yahuwah of the veil of the sanctuary. So let's talk about that. Sprinkling of the blood. First Peter 1, 1 through 2, Peter, an apostle of Yahusha HaMashiach, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
elect, according to the foreknowledge of Elohim the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit and unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yahushua HaMashiach. Grace, and unto you and peace be multiplied. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. For I delivered unto you first of which I also received that how Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I think it's very common knowledge that, like I said at the beginning, um, most people know that Messiah was our sin offering. But it's the other offerings that are a lot less known. Revelation 7, 3, uh, 13 through 17, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. Why are you asking me? And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, the sprinkling of his blood. Therefore they are before the throne of Elohim, and serves him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and Elohim shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What a day. What a day. What a day. All right, uh, Leviticus 4.7. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before Yahuwah, which is in the tabernacle of the assembly, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And he shall take off from it all the fat that of the bullock for the sin offering, the fat that covers the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. Okay, so covers and upon, okay. And the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. As it was taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering. And the skin of the bullock, and all his flesh, with his head, and with his legs, and his inwards, and his dung, even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place, where the ashes are poured out and burnt and burn him on the wood of the fire, where the ashes are poured out, so shall he be burnt. And the whole assembly of Yashrael, and if the whole assembly of Yashrael sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against the commandments of Yahuwah concerning the things which should not be done, and are guilty, when the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the assembly shall offer a young bullock for the sin, and bring him before the tabernacle of the assembly. So, how can we, you know, be cleansed of our sins now? Of course, through the blood of Messiah Yahushua. But what about after we're cleansed of the blood? What if we mess up? Is that it? We're done? We're kicked out? You had one try, one strike, you're out? No. I don't believe so. If if so, I think we're all doomed. But I don't think that's the case. However, we see the difference between someone who sins and repents with all their heart and is forgiven and one who sins and is not very repentant. Take for example Saul and David. Let's talk. Let's talk about the, the the two big sins of Saul and David. Saul had many many flaws. Of course, he wanted to kill David, and he had he had hatred in his heart. And but when Saul was finally cut off, Yahuwah told him to kill everything: the men, women, children, flocks, everything. And so I imagine with the probably thousands or even ten thousands of flocks at the city, the, the people were like, why would we just kill all these? Let's just, let's keep them and we'll just offer them up as bird sacrifices and we get to eat some of it. And he probably, Saul probably got pressured. I can only imagine. He was like, he told me to kill him, but I mean, these guys are right. I should just, we'll just sacrifice it to ya. And for that, he was, that's when, that's when uh, Saul says you're cut off. Or, um, sorry, uh, uh, Samuel said you're cut off 
And Saul didn't really repent all that much. He was like, sorry, but he didn't really repent. So David, on the other hand, has a much more grievous sin. Murder and adultery. Sleeps with another man's wife and then kills him. I'm not judging him because I ain't nobody. But he repents with all his heart. And obviously he's the heart. So can we liken that today? Does he not know when, when some of us just sin? They're just like, eh, whatever. I'll just I'll stop later. You know, what, what's the matter? I'll just, I'll just do this sin and he'll forgive me. Right. Or like you mess up and you're like, Father, forgive me. Help me. You know, I really, I really want to walk truly before you. I messed up again and I don't want to mess up anymore. Father, cleanse my heart. Heal my eyes. Heal my hands. I don't want to do these things anymore. Come on. <clears throat> the other thing is, it, you said, you know, when you find out if you're guilty, if you did it, if you did something in ignorance and it'd be hid from your eyes. So if you didn't know that you sinned, but later on you sinned, you can't be like, well, I got away with that. <sighs> no, it writes the person to be like, I messed up. So it's like, let's say you did something to somebody and just did it on an accident. You didn't know you made a promise and you didn't keep it. And later on, you know, someone's like, Hey, kind of left me hanging on such and such. And you're like, you can be like, Oh, oops. Or you can be like, you know, repentant and be like, I'm so sorry. You know, the, the Torah tells me to, to, to do everything that, that I speak out of my mouth and I didn't do it. Let me ask your forgiveness, ask forgiveness from Yah. Perhaps he'll cover us. Perhaps he'll have mercy on us. Verse 15. And the elders of the assembly shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before Yahuwah and the bullock shall be killed before Yahuwah. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the assembly. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before Yahuwah, even before the veil. And he shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar, which is before Yahuwah. That is, in the tabernacle of the assembly, and shall pour out all the blood that is on the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. So, um, what's interesting, we talk, a lot of times we see here in the, the four horns of the altar, a lot of us believe that the heart is like the altar in the tabernacle. It is interesting, it has four chambers, like the four horns of the altar, right? So, you know, in a lot of, even we, a lot of you guys learn this even in church, you know, the blood of Messiah on our heart. So just something to consider. And he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering. And shall do, and he, I'm sorry, so shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them. And he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp and burn him as he burned the first bullock. It is a sin offering for the assembly. When a ruler has sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of Yahweh Eloheinu, concerning things which should not be done and is guilty or if his sin wherein he has sinned come to his knowledge he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats a male without blemish and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before Yahuwah it is a sin offering and the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering and he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. We're going to read more about this when we read through Hebrews here in a little bit. 
And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he does somewhat against any of the commandments of Yahuwah concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering. A kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin, which he has sinned. Remember, Messiah was like, before you make, uh, before you, you know, make a, a gift at the altar, go reconcile with your brother, and then do it. So, like again, when things come up, and you're like, oh man, I messed up. Fix it. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. The priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. And if you bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring him a female without blemish. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto Yahuwah. And the priest shall make an atonement for him for his sin that he has committed and it shall be forgiven him. We're going to talk more about um, uh, the sin offering uh, when we read the book of Hebrews and how that relates today and how what exactly Messiah Yahushua changed uh, when he became the high priest in the heavens compared to what was done here on earth. So the last offering in chapter 5 is the asham. This is the guilt offering. This is an unintentional violation. It's a lot lesser of a crime. And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing is a witness or whether he has seen or know it and he did not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul, can you see how like this would be like a little different? Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle or the carcass of an unclean creeping things, and if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touch the uncleanness of a man, whatsoever uncleanness it be, that a man shall be defiled withal, and it be hid from him, when he knows of it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him, when he knows of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto Yahuwah for his sin which he has sinned, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. And if he be not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass which he has committed two turtle doves or two pigeons, two young pigeons unto Yahuwah, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And he shall bring them unto the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering and wring off his head from his neck, but it shall not divide it asunder. And he shall sprinkle of the blood of the sin offering upon and this. By the way, this is the exact same thing I was told to um, Abraham in Genesis 15. So you'll see these sacrifices were long before. And he shall sprinkle the blood of the sin offering upon the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be wrung out at the bottom of the altar. It is a sin offering. And I think if we, if I wasn't mistaken, uh, it was in some of the previous voluntary offerings with the, the bird and not cutting it in half. And he shall sprinkle the blood of the sin offering upon the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be wrung out at the bottom of the altar. It is a sin offering. And he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the manner, and the priest shall make an atonement for him for his sin which he has sinned, and it shall be forgiven him. 
But if he not be able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he that sins shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil upon it, neither shall he put any frankincense thereon, for it is a sin offering. Then shall he bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it, even a memorial thereof, and burn it on the altar, according to the offerings made by fire unto Yahuwah, it is a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him as touching the sin that he has sinned in one of these, and it shall be forgiven him. And the remnant shall be the priests as a meat offering. So they ate of these sin offerings. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of Yahuwah, then he shall bring for his trespass unto Yahuwah a ram without blemish out of the flocks with your estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. This is a word trespass is a sham. And he shall make amends for the harm that he has done in the holy thing and shall add a fifth part thereunto and give it unto the priest and the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering it shall be forgiven him we learned a little bit about this in the Torah portion uh, Mishpatim in Exodus 21 through uh, really 23 we learn about when we do something wrong how we can remedy it and if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of Yahuwah, though he knew it not, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with your estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance, wherein he erred and knew it not, and it shall be forgiven him. And it is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against Yahuwah. So uh, really easily we can see that he is our trespass offering. Again, this is a sin. Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He has put to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin. And if you want to see it, we can look it up really quickly. <clears throat> you can see the Hebrew word here is asham. Asham. And this is the trespass offering you can see right here this word is used 34 times for trespass offering eight times for trespass one time offering for sin and so the translators uh, unfortunately hit it but that is what it would have said when you shall make his soul an offering for a trespass offering he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand he shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. And we see this many times throughout the priesthood that they bear the iniquities of the children of Israel. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So very easily we can see that up, see that. So again, like what do we do if we sin and we mess up? First John one, first John two, one through two covers it. My little children, these things I wrote unto you that you sin not. So don't break the Torah. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yahushua Hamashiach the righteous, and he is the propitiate propitiation or atonement for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So if we mess up and we're honest about our mistake, and we repent with all that we have, it says that we have an advocate, Messiah, Yahushua, our high priest in the heavens. All right, Leviticus 6. We're going to read to verse 7. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, If a soul sin and committed transgression against Yahuwah, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in a fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence, or has deceived his neighbor, or have found that which is lost, and lies concerning it, and swears falsely, and any of these that a man does sinning therein, 
then it shall be that he has sinned and is guilty. This is the guilt, the trespass or guilt offering, that he shall restore that which he took violently away, the thing which has deceitfully gotten, and that which has delivered him to keep, the lost thing which he has found. And again, Mishpatim, Exodus 31 through, I'm sorry, 21 through like 23 tells us how to remedy these things. Or of all, or of, or all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall even restore it in the principle and shall add the fifth part more thereto. This is what I was talking about. And give it unto him who appertains in the day of the trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto Yahuwah, a ram without blemish, out of the flock, with your estimation, for a trespass offering unto the priest. The priest shall make an atonement for him before Yahuwah, it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that that he has done in trespassing therein. So, let's talk about the sacrifices in general. Copper cup, get yourself one. Galatians 3, the hard to understand book. So what you find, what I believe we'll find through a lot of Paul's writings and especially Hebrews, you know, it says even in Hebrews there must be a change of the law. As if when there's a change of the priesthood, it must be a change for the law. And from the best of my understanding at this time, this isn't talking about the whole Torah getting away with the Ten Commandments and taking away the Sabbaths and the feast days. This is talking about sacrifices specifically talking about the sacrifices so when when paul seems to allude to like why are you going back to the law he's he's not talking about why are you going back to sabbaths and feast days he's not talking, he's talking about why are you going back to these sacrifices galatians 3 19 through 24 why the law then the torah or not the torah but the, the law let's say the law of sacrifices let's just let's just go with that for a second it was added on account of the violations right so was the sabbath added on account of the violations was the passover and all the feast days that point to our messiah added for a violation well of course not it was these sin offerings that we're talking about and we see in the days of old that noah gave a sacrifice and and abba loved it and that was a peace offering and um and abraham and and many others offered these offerings and he accepted it having been ordered through the angel that the hand of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise has been made. Well, he's basically saying the sacrifices were in place until Messiah came. Now a mediator is not for one party only, but Elohim is one. It is the Torah, then is the Torah then contrary to the promises of Elohim? Far from it. For if the law had been given that was able to impart life, so the sacrifice is able to impart life, then righteousness would have indeed been based on the law, the law of sacrifices, let's just say. But the scripture has confirmed, confined everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Messiah Yahushua might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, let's say of sacrifices, being confined for the faith that was destined to be revealed. Therefore, the law of sacrifices has become our guardian to lead us unto Messiah, which is what we were just reading all throughout these different offerings and how they all pointed to our Messiah and how we fulfilled them all so that we may be justified by faith, but also in these offerings that we follow his footsteps with these. Romans 2.13, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before Elohim, but the doers of the law who would be justified. So we know Paul wasn't talking about doing away the law. So now let's get into the nitty-gritty. So Hebrews 9 and 10 is essential for understanding the shift in the sacrifices. Hebrews 9, now even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship in the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was equipped, the outer sanctuary, in which were the lampstand, the table, the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. We know that is now here in our hearts. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the most holy place, having a golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna, 
Aaron's staff, which budded, the tablets of the covenant, which we know those are those were in the temple. Now they're in our temple, right? Messiah is that manna. He's in our hearts. The priesthood, Aaron's staff, which budded in our hearts. Excuse me. The tablets of the covenant, his, his commandments in our heart. And above it were cherubim of glory, overshadowing the atoning cover, but about these things which we cannot speak in detail. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that in the way to the holy place had not been yet disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both outer tabernacle, the outer courts, Reminds me of Revelation. I don't have to go back to Revelation 11. Which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. So just like Paul, why the law of sacrifices until Messiah would come? Why were these things? Until a time of reformation. But when Messiah appeared as a high priest of the good things having come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for once for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to Elohim, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim? And that's the difference between what he can do and what those animal sacrifices could never do. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the violations that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise, right? Called, and he called, this is Vaikra. <laughs> that's what Vaikra means, may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a covenant, there must be of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when people are dead. For it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the Torah, he took the blood of the calves and goats and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, This is the blood of the covenant which Elohim commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And almost all things are cleansed with blood according to the Torah. And without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Messiah did not enter a holy place made by hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of Elohim for us, nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been revealed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is ordained people to die once, and after this comes the judgment, so Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Now Hebrews 10. For the Torah, the law, since it only has a shadow of good things to come. So again, I believe that Paul, and I believe Paul is the writer of Hebrews too, 
I believe it's talking about this law of sacrifices, not the Sabbath and everything else. It was just a shadow. So the Sabbath is just a shadow. So you don't have to keep it more. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, since it's only a shadow of the good things to come and not the form of those things itself can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually every year make those who approach perfect. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because of the worshipers having once been cleansed, but would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Right, to, right, to take away, you can forgive, but it can't take away can't cl really cleanse the conscience you can't cleanse the heart that's what messiah did that's the difference therefore when he comes into the world he says you have not desired a sacrifice and offering right an ola and a uh what was the other one in a uh, a sum but you have no ola and what was the other one ola and mincha but you have prepared a body for me you have not taken pleasure in whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin then I said, Behold, I have come, it is written in the scroll of the book, to do your will, O Elohim. After saying above, and by the way, uh, offerings for sin, this is, um, that was added. After saying above, sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and offerings you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the Torah. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Messiah Husha once and for all time. So all this is pertaining to the sacrifices. This is not talking about the whole Torah. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. It can forgive, but it can't take away. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins at for all time, sat down at the right hand of Elohim, waiting from that time until onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after saying, This is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, declares Yahuwah, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their mind. He then says, And now in their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Messiah, Yahushua, by a new and living way which he has inaugurated for us through the veil that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of Elohim, let's approach Elohim with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water like Alan Horvath said being washed by and growing in the word let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful and let us consider how to encourage not break down one another in love and good deeds not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people encouraging one another and as more you see the day approaching. So we're supposed to get together for these holy convocations, Sabbaths, feast days. For if we go on sitting, sitting willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That's big trouble for a lot of people. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has ignored the Torah of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much sore, severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of Elohim and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, Yahweh will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim. 
Again, Hebrews 13, 13 through 16. So then let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to Elohim that is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices Elohim is well pleased. So we're going to see how the prophets announced the ending of sacrifices. The prophets never announced the ending of the feast days or the ending of the Sabbaths uh, or the wearing of zitzi or eating clean. But he announced the sacrifices many times. Psalm 51, 15 through 17. Yahweh, open my lips so that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. The sacrifices of Elohim are a burnt spirit, broken spirit, and a broken and contrite heart, Elohim, you will not despise. Psalm 46 through 8, you have not desired sacrifice and meal offering. You have opened my ears. You have not required burnt offering and sin offering. Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. I delight to do your will. Your Torah is within my heart. And we're going to read a passage at the end of this that's going to go along with this, right? Basically, he didn't want people to sin. And we're going to read about that in Jeremiah. Which is not next. First Samuel fifteen twenty two through twenty three. Does Yahweh have as much delight in burnt offering and sacrifices? This is when he was actually reproving Saul for that situation I was telling you earlier. Does he delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Yahuwah? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as rehap, rehap, reprehensible as the sin of divination, and insubordination as reprehensible as false religion and idolatry. Since you have rejected the word of Yahuwah, he has also rejected you from being king. Jeremiah, here's the big one. So people people use this verse to say, ah, the sacrifices were just all added in, it's garbage. Not true. This is what Yahuwah Sebaot, the Elohim of Israel says, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them on the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your Elohim, and you will be my people. And you shall walk entirely in the way which I command you, so that it may go well with you. He didn't want us to have to sacrifice animals to forgive sin. He just didn't want us to sin. That's the whole of it. And that's why Paul says it was added for transgression's sake. <clears throat> Psalm 50 in the Aramaic. Um, verse 2, The perfection of the beginning of the eternal creation is from Zion, and from there its beauty is complete. Elohim will be revealed. The righteous will say on that great day of judgment, Our Elohim will come, and he will not neglect to vindicate his people. Fire will blaze before him, and around him a storm will rage mightily. He will call to the angels of the height above, and to the righteous of the earth below, to extend judgment to his people. Gather to me my pious ones, who have made my covenant, or kept my covenant, and fulfilled my Torah, and have engaged in prayer, which is likened to a sacrifice. There it is. So he announced the ceasing of the animal sacrifices. Amos 3, 7, Surely Yahuwah will do nothing but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And he surely did. Here it is. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon your people and upon your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. 
Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, killed, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince shall come, I'm sorry, and the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now, a lot of people think this is the Antichrist, but it's not. This is Messiah, and he shall confirm the covenant. This is the, when, he, when you talk about the covenant in, in the Old Testament, it's talking about the Torah. It's talking about the covenant between Yah and his people. So he shall confirm. So Messiah came to confirm the covenant with many for one week for, set for, for seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So a lot of people, some people say Messiah's ministry was one year. I disagree. I think it was three and a half years. So I believe right in the middle of the week, three and a half years into it, Messiah was cut off. Right? So in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Messiah came to do away with those sacrifices and to, sh and to give us a new, renewed and better way. Like the book of Hebrews was telling us. So it was announced, brothers and sisters. It was announced uh, quite a bit. Isaiah 56, 4-7, through 7, For thus says Yahuwah unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than sons and daughters, and I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to Yahuwah to serve him and to love the name of Yahuwah, to be his servants, everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant. Even then will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. I'm curious which ones these are. I didn't look at that. Bear with me. Mm, their burnt offerings. Their Ola, their whole burnt offering, voluntary, and their sacrifices. Which one is this one? Zeba. Okay, just it's just a general word for sacrifices. Okay. <clears throat> Oops. Shall be accepted by my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And this is this is talking about New Jerusalem. So they're gonna have they're gonna have free will offerings and things like that. We're gonna close this out with a couple passages from the Wisdom of Solomon and Sirach. These two books were all were included in the sixteen eleven KJV under the Apocrypha section. So check this out. Wisdom 3, 1 through 9. But the souls of the righteous are in the hand of, of Elohim, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be an affliction, and they're going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of men they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good, because Elohim tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them, and like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them living sacrifice right the time of their visitation they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble they will govern the nations and rule over peoples and yahweh will reign over them forever those who trust in him will understand truth torah and the faithful will abide with him in love because grace and mercy are upon his elect and he watches over his holy ones last passage sirach aka ecclesiasticus 35 1 through 12 he who keeps the torah makes many offerings so check this out <laughs> He who heeds the commandment sacrifices a peace offering. He who, who, he who returns a kindness offers fine flour, the mincha. And he who gives alms sacrifices a thank offering, the peace offering. To keep from wickedness is pleasing to Yahuwah, and to forsake unrighteousness is atonement. Do not appear before Yahuwah empty-handed, for all these things are to be done because of the commandment.
The offering of a righteous man anoints the altar, and its pleasing odor rises before the Most High. The sacrifice of a righteous man is acceptable, and the memory of it will not be forgotten. Glorify Yahuwah generously, and do not stint the first fruits of your hand. With every gift, show a cheerful face, and dedicate your tithe with gladness. Give to the Most High as He has given, and as generously as your hand has found. For Yahuwah is the one who repays, and He will repay you sevenfold. Do not offer him a bribe, for he will not accept it. And do not trust trust to an unrighteous sacrifice, for Yahweh is a judge, and with him is no partiality. So, brothers and sisters, uh, kind of a longer Torah portion, but I found this to be one of the most important. I pray it is my hope that you got more well acquainted with your Savior today and how he fulfilled all the sacrifices and how he was the foreshadow shown in the Torah and how all the books of the Torah pointed inwardly to the, the book of Leviticus and how we should really take hold of this book and really learn what righteousness is, really learn what holiness is, and really learn what these sacrifices are to mean and how they can still apply to our lives today, being that we're to walk as he walked. And he walked and he became all those sacrifices, especially the living sacrifice, the Ola, the whole burnt offering, the ascending wife. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Most High, Yahweh, we come before you and bless you in Yahushua's name. And just thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your Son to be our atonement, our propitiation for the whole burnt offering, the peace offering, the thank offering, the the sin offering, the guilt offering, the trespass offering, all of it, Father, the, the Passover lamb, everything, Father, everything was pointing to him. And we just thank you for giving us your wisdom from above that is showing these things to us, Father, that we can learn more about you and learn more about our amazing Messiah, Yahushua. Father, please give us cultivation for our heart that we may continue walking in your way, Father, and doing what is pleasing in your sight. Father, we love you, and we just say all these things in, in our thanks, and we thank you, Father. We thank you in the name of Messiah Yahushua, our Savior. Amen and hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, blessings to you. I uh, look forward to seeing you next week. And those of you that are coming to Pesach, I'll see you in like two weeks. I'm excited. Shabbat shalom.
I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and song, and he has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him. Elohim of my Father And I exalt Him Yahuwah is a man of battle Yahuwah is His name He has cast Pharaoh's chariots And his army into the sea and his chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds. The depths covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has crushed the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped up The floods stood like a wall The depths became stiff In the heart of the sea The enemy said, I pursue, I overtake I divide the spoil My being is satisfied on them I draw out my sword, my hand destroys them you blew with your wind the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters who is like you 
And ever 